Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Meet the Manager. My name is Joe and this is our regular catch up with some of the best advice from some of the community's most notable FPL managers. Um, yes, we will focus on those with an incredible rank history, um, but we are adding to that by including managers with an interesting story to tell about how FPL is impacting on their lives and yours. Uh, we'll also focus on managers who are offering a unique insight and research into the game to propel them and hopefully us up the rankings. Um, my name is Joe and today I'm joined by Cam who had an interesting relationship with FPL over the years. He was just 14 when he started playing back in 20, 2006. Uh, within a couple of years he'd finished inside the top 100. Um, three more top 10k finishes followed and then in 2014 he took a break from the game and we'll chat about that later. Then he returned to a very different game four years later. And I quite like the idea of this of taking a break from FPL and returning to suddenly like Hang on a minute, there's 8 million managers um, and Twitter and everyone seems to know what to do. Um, uh, so this gives him a unique insight into how the game has changed over the years. Cam, welcome to Meet the Manager. Thanks, Joe. That was a flattering intro. No, it's a pleasure. And also we um, we have met virtually before because we were teammates in, what was it, Euro? Which Euro competition was it? it was a 2012. Fan- 2012, that was it. It was, um, yeah, it, we were teammates in a fancy tournament competition. Uh, we, did, we didn't win, did we? I can't remember winning, but um, I'm sure we did really well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as, as I said, it's quite an interesting relationship with FPL. Um, so what we do is we'll have a look at that sort of unique history of yours with these great finishes and then this break and then coming back to it again. And um, so we'll talk, take you through that. Um, and to timestamp where we are, because um, these are sort of an evergreen video to be what, watched whenever, um, we're looking ahead to double gaming 26 in the 2021-22 season and Cam is currently in the top 50k. So another 10k um, could be on the cards um, and you've got a few more players to go in game week 25 as well. So we've got one more match to go in that. So um, let's have a look at this career history. So, I mean, we can see it there. There's that There's that 84 in 2010-11, um, which is a great thing to have there. Um, so, I mean, that's a good place to start, really. What 
Why did you do so well in 2010-11? How did you get into the top 100? Um, I mean, it's 10 years ago now. It's <laughs> a lot to remember. But I do actually remember quite a bit from that season because um, it was the year I went off to college. So I used FPL as a way to keep in touch with football because I went to uni in the States. So um, when I went over there, I knew nobody would care about the Premier League or or, uh, you know, any of that is a big part of my upbringing. So I wanted to keep in touch with that a bit. So I decided to, you know, play FPL seriously. I started with Drogba, Tevez and Carroll. That was the dream front line that season. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I just carried it on into a really, really good finish. And uh, honestly, I have um, Fantasy Football Scout to thank a lot for that. I mean, I found the website that year as well um sharing information doing all that and i mean for me um that was the that was really what what helped me sustain my interest throughout and basically helped me navigate all the various hurdles uh, going on that season um also uh, when when that season happened like uh, i mean you know it's exciting when you get into the the top hundred or top like oh, 1k I was I was probably around 1k mark for a lot of that season and uh you know when your interest carries on throughout the season then you spend more effort in and just yeah I mean it was great I mean I credit FS Scout a lot for changing my like thought process and understanding of appeal oh wow um well that's that's, that's good to hear um but then you, you have three more really great finishes this this uh you know just outside of the top three thousands in twenty thirteen, um, and then and then another top fifty k finish as well. So still these consistent finishes. Um, but then but then you then you quit for a while uh, for three or four years. So what so what was going on then? Um, you know, sort of why did you quit? And um, yeah, you can tell me a bit about when you came back as well. Yeah, um, for me, uh, you know, when I was over there, when I was in uh, in in the states basically studying and, and whatnot there was just a lot going on like i found myself over the years even that last year where i finished top 50k i still remember that was the thing that was the year suarez came into the league and uh i remember thinking like i just don't have the same commitment to it as i did when i first started those first three or four seasons where i was really like pushing and and dedicating the time for it so I, I guess you could say I sort of fell out of love with FPL for a bit mm -hmm. and at the time because I was in the states like I didn't have any people that follow football mm -hmm. let alone FPL so it was just something I did on my own on the side and um, you know for me it was um, a lack of motivation and also um, you know just having to process all the information and like mm -hmm. I'm a very hands-on person like when i want to um, invest in something i will really invest in it so i felt myself sort of falling out of that um a little bit and i guess to pre preserve my rank history i was like okay you know what i'm gonna take a i'm gonna take a break from the game and we'll see if i if i miss it and i'll come back and mm -hmm. we'll do it and honestly i feel like a lot of other fpl managers could really do with that break because i see a lot of people like saying how it's how it affects them mentally and how like you know they're not enjoying themselves anymore and like i'm here to tell you that you know you can quit if you want you can take a break mm 
like it's it's totally fine and you know you can come back and pick it up again maybe it's not as great success but um you know uh it, it will always still be there for you so um yeah for me for me it was like sort of losing losing my love for the game and also the circumstances of my life it was a turbulent time and i wanted to i wanted to invest my time elsewhere okay no so it um so it's, it's helped you enjoy the game again by taking a break and so perhaps if you hadn't taken a break if you would carried on and with all these other things going on in your life um and carried on then you probably would have fallen even further out of love with it so in 2018 um you decided to come come back you know fpo as you said it's always there um and it's just just a little break in in your rank history um your career history there um so um what was it like coming back because 2018 that was when it really had proliferated in terms of the amount of managers and also the amount of information that's available um suddenly um you've got 100 200 300,000 managers all probably as savvy as perhaps the top 10,000 were a few years before that so how how did you find that transition um honestly like not that big of a difference because um you know when i'm in fpl mode i will research everything and i didn't feel like it was any uh any different yes the game is a lot more popular um for me the biggest thing with the chips um, back when I quit, there was nothing but wild cards. I think I think we had two wild cards and yeah. nothing else. So it was very different. Learn, having to know what a free hit does and what a bench boost does. I remember reading through the rules again. Um, honestly, I was. Uh, it was really for twenty for me coming back in twenty eighteen. It was very much a I'll give it a go for a month and see if I enjoy it. Mm. And the only reason I came back was because I I had a lot of fun with uh, World Cup Fantasy. I yeah. played World Cup Fantasy again, and I've. I think I've always played uh, major tournament uh, fantasy because mm -hmm. I actually think that is where my real passion is. Just mm -hmm. being able to follow uh, international tournament and just like get in. And I I finished one hundred fiftieth in uh, World Cup fantasy eighteen. Wow! So I was like, okay, you know, maybe I still have my touch a bit. Let's <laughs> let's see how, let's see how this let's see how this goes. Okay. Um, um, so within. The three years since you've been back, and we're currently in the fourth year now. Obviously, you came back and you were just just outside the top two hundred k, and then and then twenty three k as well, and you're in top fifty k at the moment, forty two k, I think. Um, so clearly, it's it's you've taken to it again, not not just in terms of um, enjoying it, but also the rank history as well. Um, so, what what has helped you? get that say that 23k rank and, and being where you are now is it sort of better understanding of the chips because obviously players are players and goals are goals i think it's just um being really invested and and having uh you know uh, and learning from your mistakes i know that first year i was back i took a lot of risks i did a lot of things just to see if i could rejig that mm. uh, that enjoyment of the game i went very off template for a bit um, because I'm actually a pretty template manager. That's how I managed to get my, you know, four top 10 Ks in a row. I was very patient. I stuck with the template, but because I came back and I wanted to ignite some excitement, I took a lot more risks in that first year. And to be honest, that 1920 year, 
was a huge disappointment for me, actually. Um, I know it says, you know, I finished 23K and like that's mm. a perfectly good score. But for me, like I felt like I could have, I felt like I could have done much better that year. I was 8K in the world after uh, three weeks. And I thought, okay, like this, like I, I managed to get my, my gave me one team like spot on, like it was going really well. And I thought like, you know, this, this could be a top 100 season. Like I felt like the momentum was with me and until it wasn't. Hmm. And uh, I actually, I mean, looking back on that season, I sort of, uh, I waited too long basically to, to wildcard. I just waited until all my players were no longer any good before I wildcarded, by which point any lead I had was gone. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was a tough season for me to swallow because I was like, oh, you know, I was in the top 10K for the for most of it and then just sort of fell off at the end. Yeah, I, I, I know that pressure. I mean, I've had similar, similar seasons in terms of um, that feeling. And I remember one season i think both of those seasons i've got i finished about 80k 90k but one of them was i was about four million at christmas so it was i felt really pleased with that and the other time was how you described there i was in and around um the top 50k for for some time and then it petered out and as you said it sort of didn't really didn't really come together and it is it is much more frustrating there um you mentioned you're a template manager um which i guess is a is a reason for for some of your successes there so what what other sort of um tips would you give what other what other standard things do you do each season where where you do particularly well um i spend a lot of time on my gaming one team because i feel like that's one of the you're basically building a wildcard team and to set yourself up for um for going forward mm -hmm. and basically not messing that up can really really like like spiral a season down mm -hmm. so uh, i mean for me it was making sure that my gaming one team was balanced it had um i am a subscriber to price points i really do like having good price points mm -hmm. where you can move players around easily um i'm also uh, a fairly uh uh, what do you call it? team value oriented mm -hmm. manager as well um because the way i see the game is that there are so few edges to have team value is something that's a very concrete edge that you can mm -hmm. get just for being vigilant just for every night checking like the price rises timing your uh transfers um wherever possible mm -hmm. to take advantage of that of those price swings because um you know if everybody has the same team and you have let's say Son versus mm. someone else's Rafinha, mm. that could be a really big difference going on going forward. Yeah. And I, for me, I'm willing to take the risks because I, I think even though I'm a template manager, I, I, I like moving early for, for players. I like taking that, that chance. Players are not supposed to get injured. I keep reminding myself that they're not supposed to get injured. It, sh it would mostly work. But honestly, I think last year COVID just absolutely decimated everything i was trying to yeah. to do that season and and get ahead of the curve and do all that it just yeah i mean it was a big learning season for me last year it, it was definitely a tough one i th i mean i think i mean something i felt the last since covid struck in fpl i mean i've i've found the last two two or three seasons 
quite difficult because, as you said, the planning goes out the window. I mean, we used to a bit of snow, you know, cancelling a couple of matches, but the the amount of the lack of planning we've been able to do, and you know, having to having to, you know, move players in and out, and team value has sort of been second to that really. And um, I mean, I suppose an example would be even this week with with Mo Salah. Um, he's gone up, I think, point three um, in the last week or two. Um, and so those that got in early have made that money up, but he hasn't got the points <laughs> um, because you've got to deal with other things like you've been at AFCON and, and all those things. So it's been it's been tricky to navigate. That's just another thing to navigate. Um, how, how do you, I mean, do you think you've sort of, because you're top 50K now, how do you think you've coped with COVID as an FPL manager now? Do you feel that you've sort of got a handle on the fact that it's chaos? <laughs> I like to think that, uh, you know, as someone that is always thinking and, and very committed to FPL that I have an advantage, but to be honest, I don't think it particularly gels with the way I like to play. Like I like to plan multiple weeks in advance and have a whole spreadsheets and moves planned in advance and have basically like a game plan for how it's going to go. But yeah, I mean, COVID has really thrown all of that out the window. Um, you know, usually, I have a plan for let's say three weeks and I would want to move early on, on, on my transfer so that I can get team value and do all that and get ahead. But, um, you know, after it was like maybe 18 this season or something, whenever, um, all those, uh, first round of postponement said, I, w- I was just like, you know what, at this point, don't make any transfers mm. until an hour before. And yeah. I benefited. I benefited by being patient that week that, uh, uh, was it the Villa game? Mm. The, the Villa game got postponed at the last second. I was planning to bring in Watkins that week, and so I yeah. ended up picking up Lacazette instead. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm starting to be convinced a little about being patient and waiting until the last. But, um, I mean, I've always been a fairly aggressive manager, so it is against my instinct to want to wait um and yeah i mean COVID has made it difficult mm-hmm. to plan definitely um yeah i mean you just you have to adapt every season is different and even though you know what worked before hasn't necessarily worked this time so how i mean one what, i mean every season there's a change i mean i think a few a few seasons back it was the sort of advent of the wing back so we we've always been used to say Leighton baines but suddenly there were like 10 to 15 Leighton baines um to choose from um as as teams um started to go a, a more of a wing back system so you've got the likes of alonso particularly at chelsea and uh, and, and lots of other teams um but this season i think it's been the forwards gradually the forwards have become the sort of blokes that get in the way for the other people to get all the points and to score. And ha- have you been quick to adapt to that or slow to adapt to that? I mean, bear in mind, Mikel Antonio is the top, <laughs> top scoring forward at the moment by some margin, and he's done nothing <laughs> for months. Yeah, I mean, I think the changes in football tactics over the years has, has also influenced how we play the game. I mean, FPL used to be a three a three four three mm. all the way game, but it is starting to change that. Like the four at the back has been stronger than ever this year. Um, honestly, I think Trent Alexander Arnold has changed the game. 
I, I said it last season, but he should be eight and a half. And, you know, <laughs> um, maybe last season he didn't quite live up to it, but this season, certainly. And yeah. uh, even Cancelo as well should probably be seven and a half. Um, but I think in general, like modern football has moved away from the 4-4-2, which is why I actually think um, mm. FPL was built for. It was generally built as a 4-4-2 because you have five... Uh, defenders, five mids, and three attackers. So it'd be one like sub slot for each one. At least that's how I envisioned they planned for FPL to be. And uh, back in like 2005, 2006, it was still the height of 442. So um, I think the the formations and the way that they, they did it. But and and now like there's all this discussion as well about what do we do with Mo Salah? Like he's a forward. Yeah. And yet you have to play, you have to class him as a midfielder. Otherwise you move like half the attackers in the game into the forward line, which would be a horrible mess because there are only three slots. So, I mean, FPL, the way it's built, I mean, I think this is as good as it's going to, it's as good as this particular format allows us to do. I think you're you're right there about the, um, what do you do for the likes of Mane, Salah, um, I mean the whole. I mean, Rashford's Sancho. I mean, any any n- number of those wingers who are the most potent goal threat for their team. Um, and I think the Sky Game is a good example of that, where it is it is really tricky because all of those players they're all forwards, and so you've you've got hardly any midfielders. So I mean, luckily in that game the rules are slightly different. Defensive midfielders can get you points for example but in FPL um, it's it's probably better in a way that you only have three striker slots because we're a lot of us are struggling to to buy strikers at the moment um, speak, I mean, speaking of strikers with um, your captaincy what have you changed the way you, you captain players for example I, I try and captain midfielders where I can because simply they earn more points <laughs> um, so I'm not necessarily keen to captain strikers anyway luckily they're not doing anything but um what, what about you do you do you have your, your tried and tested captains always go for premium do you be a bit different or and 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 do you look to midfielders or even defenders i think it aligns with the way that i play fpl which is team value oriented um by being team one value oriented it means putting your money on the field it means having a streamlined bench as possible, as often as possible. I mean, this season has been mm. an outlier, but um, in the past, like if I have more money on the field, the chance of me having a better score over the season is higher. I, I genuinely believe that. I, I think that, you know, FPO pricing tends to be very, very good. So um, therefore, if, if the pricing is good, then higher value players should score more points. So obviously they're going to be value players and you make sure you have those, but for the differentials, when you have a more expensive differential than another, than another manager and another template team, you're going to come out of it ahead more often than not, assuming that the prices are what they are and that they correspond to higher value with the players. So, um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, captaincy has always been like left with the premiums as often as possible. Um, I've captained Salah loads this season as everyone has, but, um, I do have a Maverick streak. I do occasionally just love to like 
take the punt on a, on a captain. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, I, I just don't have a knack for it. I just don't have an, a, an instinct for it. Um, also, like the past three seasons that I've, that I've played since I've come back, I think it's the return of the uh, triple captain. In three seasons playing the triple captain, I have never had a triple captain get more than four. So, <laughs> no, I, my my highest is I keep remembering, but the, my best ever triple captain was as uh, Payet played when he played for West Ham, and I don't know how long ago. I think he may even retired now, <laughs> but that was the last time his seven points he got me twenty one. That was the last time I got anything, and that so we were quite similar there. It it it, it is um, frustrating, but then again, you know you can get people who get triple captains get huge scores. Um, for those um, you, you mentioned about sort of more expensive differentials can can give you the edge as well so before we look at your current team as you're going into game week 26 what 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 are the sort of players that you would recommend um, people watching who are watching this season to get in now for the rest of the, the season who are those sort of expensive maybe expensive but but very good differentials that, that just are not going to be in people's squads um, in terms of differentials, it, it tends to just uh, go along the lines of uh, fixtures. If you have a player that you can bring in for a, one of three games, I mean, what I did recently was that I switched to Bernardo Silva from Mares. Uh, I did that two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I captained him last week. He got 10 points. This week didn't really return, but I mean, Sterling scored a hat trick. It could have been Mares. Yeah. It could have been So just taking like these short burst uh, risks, I think. I think it's worth it. Um, that means like the likes of Harry Kane. Mm -hmm. um, I think Lukaku could even come back as a natural FPL option. Um, he scored twice at the Club World Cup. Chelsea's fixtures are really good. Um, I think getting on Chelsea assets early um, in Game Week 28 and going forward, um, that could be a big differential because I think a lot of people are going to be slow adapting to that. Uh, I think that is where you can get a lot of points. The other way I look ahead is if, especially if you've wildcarded, you want to build a bench that has a lot of players with games in hand. Mm -hmm. um, that means Leicester players. I bought James Madison a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, he hasn't really done great, but if I intend to hold my wildcard, and I do mm -hmm. intend to hold my second wildcard until at least 31, um, I think a player like Madison going forward will be able to sneak up with a couple of double game weeks where other players won't have planned as well or won't have ready in time. And you only have a certain number of transfers. Every week there's something everyone is doing, the herd is doing something. But if you can sneak in one or two transfers, either um, on a wild card or if you have it spare to buy players with some foresight, then you can get ahead that way. I think, um, I mean, that, that, that really, that's sort of, the, I think, the key to this season is because, um, I, I suppose, being involved in content as well. So you look a lot on Twitter and, and Fancy Football Scout Forum and, and you can see this wave of momentum and it's really hard to go against it. And sometimes you, ha you have to, otherwise you'll rank. I mean, these players, are Bowen or Trent Alexander-Arnold, these, these are good players. If you don't have them, then you're going to lose ground. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's getting on those bandwagons early or perhaps that don't become... You mentioned Mares as well. People, I'm still not seeing Mares in people's teams, but he's top of so many metrics over the last four matches out of lots of players. Sterling, those who got him, 
people are still not going to go for him because they want, say, Son or Kane. And you can see that momentum there. But it's getting on those players. And that, that's something I, I personally have found it quite quite tricky to do um, because it's selecting them and you've got to go against against the herd. But that obviously the secret to doing well here. Um, but yeah, it was good to get your insight to some of those players. Let's, let's have a look at your your team going into game week 26. Now, I know you've got you've got two free transfers. Um so do you want to just go through the team that, you, that you've got and, and what moves you're, you're thinking of? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sure. Would you like me to read it out? Yeah, if you could read out your team just for the benefit of those listening on the podcast. Sure. Um, in goal, I have. Um, should I just go through my starting eleven? Yeah, just go through that, um, and, then, and then the changes that you'll make. Okay. Um, in goal, I have Ramsdale with his double game week, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, and Emerson Royale. Um, in midfield, Mares, Bowen, Jota, and Damari Gray. Um, up front, King, Ronaldo, Kane. And then on the bench, I have De Gea, Madison, Dallo, and Livermento. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, a lot of it's placeholders. Since I have two free transfers, I will be doing what everyone else is doing and bringing in Salah and giving him the triple caption mm. because it just makes sense. And I think another thing that I've learned over the last couple of years has been don't fight logic. No. Um, if something makes if something makes sense, just do it. It, it, it. I know everyone else is doing it, but if it makes log if it makes logical sense, do you think Salah is going to score the most points? from a home game against Norwich and a home game against Leeds, the answer is yes, considering his his season and considering who he is as a player. So I'm not going to fight it. Um, you know, you, you some things, there, there are times to differentiate. There are times you can find ways to gain ground, but there also are times where you really should just stick with the herd. And I definitely feel this is one of them. Um, and up, up front, you've got, King, Ronaldo, and Kane. Um, so Ronaldo's making way. Is he the yep. sort of he's the the cash cow? Yep. So um, at the moment, I'm looking at uh, minus four. I can. I'm planning to get rid of Ronaldo, Gray, and Mares, mm-hmm. and I'll bring in um, double Arsenal, probably Lacazette, Odegaard, and Salah. I can afford that team. It seems quite reasonable. The only thing is my defense is rather weak. Mm-hmm. Um, Emerson and Spurs in general have really disappointed. Like I brought Emerson in a few weeks ago um, with that same idea, which is that Spurs' defense at the time was looking good under Conte. 
Um, they had four games in hand. It, it's, it just made sense to bring one in at the time. I picked Emerson at the time because, you know, he was getting forward a lot, even though his end product wasn't the best. But, you know, the, the points there are telling. He scored, he's got three points in the last four weeks. So, um, yeah, he's not going to be long for the team. And I even might hit him out this week and uh, bring in an Arsenal defender. With them, um, I mean, if you if you just get that one ass, um, if you so you've got the you'll have um, two Arsenal outfield players plus three Liverpool, and obviously you've got Ramsdale, where you've got De Gea to come in. So <clears throat> that would mean either you're going to go into um, game twenty seven with nine players, uh, possibly uh, possibly eleven, if you took another further hit, or would you consider free hitting in twenty seven? I'm definitely free hitting 27. Well, okay then. Um, <laughs> For sure. And there are a couple of reasons why I think the free hit 27 actually makes perfect sense. And it's what I think, especially if you have two, if you have, if you have one free, free hit, I can understand not doing it. But if you have two, I think free hit in 27 is so strong. And I think it's so strong. For a number of reasons. One, um, there's a really sharp fixture turn. So that means Liverpool, um, you have three Liverpool players that you must have this week. And then they blank immediately after. That means like maybe a you know a third of your budget just instantly goes. Second, you also have um, you also have Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal also have a really good double this week. So if you are able to lean hard into a free hit, I think it's it's really advantageous. And the thing is, Arsenal also have good fixtures out of the double. So it's actually really good time i think to lean hard into a free hit 27 and then free hit 27 itself also is quite promising at least to me i see um man city against everton man united uh against watford like they're, they're and these are expensive players like and, and, and a double game week again for burnley yeah i mean i'm probably not gonna have too many mm. of them I'm a, I'm a Blackburn fan that also <laughs> has my judgment a little bit okay. when it comes to Burnley. But um, yes, Man United, Hartford, City, Spurs, maybe they can turn it around. But the point is, I think there are there are opportunities to attack 27. And uh, I, at the moment, I've very one track on this. Okay, I'm going to free hit in 27. And... If, if anything, I'm incentivized to lean as heavily as possible into it and just get as many people to blank in uh, in 27 in my Game 26 team. So that's triple Arsenal, triple Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it's something... I mean, I, I know this week's Scoutcast, we're going to talk about this, and it's essentially it's a dilemma. I think for, for those like me, with, with just one free hit left, um, I'm not going to do that. Um because I'm not particularly set up for game week 30 and I'm just going to go into that um, and take advantage of some of those Leicester and, and Villa fixtures there, which are, which are quite small. But um, but if I had two, everything you just said made complete sense and I would also follow you in that. If I had two free hits left, game week 27, the opportunities there to get in players and sort of just for one week rest the likes of Liverpool players um so for, for those who aren't free hitting then they've got to got to leave them on the bench um and as you said it goes against one of your key things of trying to get as much money into that into that playing 11 as possible um what's your plan 
for so we know what you're doing with your triple captain we know what you're doing with your free here and we also know what you're going to do with your wild card some point after game week 31 ish you're going to be using that so what about the next free here is that game week 30 or a bit later Mm, currently planned for game week 30 but um if i lean hard on arsenal it means that my 30 is okay mm. so i may decide to save it but okay. that depends on what fixtures are available that week if there are a bunch of decent fixtures and i don't have any players then i might mm. use it then um but i've always been an advocate of using the free hit um in a blank over double game week mm. Um, the way I see it is that if a player scores zero, anyone you bring in is going to do better than that, unless you're Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, but if you free hit in a double game week, you'd be taking out single game week players, someone decent. Like, let's say Bowen has a game against Everton, um, you, it, and it's a single game week. And you, you could, you know, it might be reasonable then, if you're free hitting to get rid of Bowen and bring in like a Connor Gallagher with mm. two Crystal Palace juicy fixtures, I don't know, just an example. Mm. And that can really backfire without because Bowen has this game, this one single game, and he's a form player, and it can backfire. I mean, I've seen free hits in double game, we score fewer points mm. than your original team, and that is absolutely against what you should be using these free hits for. Uh, in my opinion. So uh, I want the guaranteed value. I think it's best used in a blank yeah. as a result. No, so. I agree. I mean, I, I use my first free hit just because my, the way my team was set up, I was, I had, I don't know, about four players. <laughs> it was, and they were all terrible. So um, yes, everyone I got in would have scored more um, because they just simply showed up. And that is that's a good mantra, really. Um, what about the bench? You got the bench boost left as well. So, um, is the aim to play that after you wildcard or before? And I say that particularly with you in mind because you want as much money in your eleven as possible. And when you're bench boosting, in a way, you've you've got to invest in your in your bench, and then you and then you're sort of stuck with an expensive bench afterwards. Yeah. Um, so for this this year, I mean, I know that the big double game week is going to be game week thirty six. So I think the plan is probably to walk on and then bench boost, and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. The way I see it, okay, I can I can leave some money on my bench uh, for the last two weeks, but that only really affects three game weeks out of thirty eight. So I can probably get away with it. And this season, anyway, our benches tend to be decent. There have been a couple of weeks this season where I'm just like, you know what? This looks almost bench boost worthy. But I, I think I'll just be patient and wait. Um, it, it, I mean, it would be great if I could wildcard right before it, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I just don't see it. I've it's going to be used before then. I've got another slide, which um, I don't think I've shared with you. <laughs> so um, I'll put it up on the screen. And I'll describe it to you. Um, it's a look at the next five fixtures, really. It's sort of, it's to stress test what you've just been talking about, really. Um, so this is just looking in terms of that, that run of fixtures. This is game week 26 up until game week 30. So it includes, you now a lot of those game week 30 fixtures we've got on here um, won't happen. Um, so there's only a few um, fixtures that we know will take place um, and they involve um, the likes of Wolves, uh, Arsenal, 
Villa, Leeds, Leicester and Brentford off the top of my head. I think I've got that right. Um, nevertheless, this shows that overall um, Burnley and Palace and Southampton overall have good fixtures. Um, and then Leeds and Wolves and Watford. So that could be quite handy for some of those who are free hitting over this period because you're going to need some cheaper players to go in there. Um, but it also shows what a problem Liverpool are. Um, Norwich and, Le and Leeds, what a, what a double game week. And then nothing. And then West Ham. Um, and then Brighton. And then Manchester United. And weirdly, out of all of them, Manchester United has probably got the worst defence. Um, especially if uh, Zuma is, is, is back playing for West Ham. And Brighton defence is pretty good. Um, and it also shows what you've been saying about... Um, Man City, um, that they've got Tottenham, Everton, Manchester United, but then in game of 29, they've got Crystal Palace and then Brighton at home. And I know Brighton are um, a good defence, but it's Manchester City. And um, it's a different it's a different ball game um, with them. Um, and then looking at another another key team, really, is Tottenham. Um, so game of 27, they've got Leeds away, which is a good... A, fixture for attackers so would you be looking to on your free hit to get Kane and Son for example mm, free hit in 27 oh sorry you're free hitting in you're you're free hitting in 27 have I got that right yep yeah free hitting in 27 <laughs> you've <Yeah>. confused me <laughs> um, would you on that free hit get in um, you've already got Kane but would you get Son in as well to go with him um, honestly, I don't like planning free hits ahead of time just oh, okay. because, um, you know, I know that it's a blank slate. I can just bring in whoever I want. So okay. I'm not going to waste my time on that. Okay. I think, I mean, that week I'll spend all of it on that. But if I know I'm free hitting, then it's a one and done. So I'd like to spend my time looking at, um, you know, who I'm actually going to invest in my actual team that I'm going to have to be stuck with for right. a while. Um, yeah, so for me, it's planning ahead all the way up until around game week 30, if possible. Okay. I'll try to bring in players that make sense along the way. And um, for me, I think that's Arsenal. Um, I'm happy to keep Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of people that want to get rid of Jota and want to find a reason to get rid mm -hmm. of Jota. I don't see it. He's no. one of the best players in the game this season. He's an incredible value. He's the second top goal scorer in the league for... You know, starting price of seven and a half. Um, I bought him at seven and a half. Mm. I still have my team. So, I mean, that's a big loss in team value by selling. And I might, I will probably want to buy him back. So I think I'm probably just going to hold mm. unless something drastically changes and, you know, maybe he loses his spot or gets rotated two out of, you know, two out of three games. Um, but I think he's firmly first choice. And honestly, He's probably about two million on the price. Um, yeah, I I will say that uh, looking for value is also something that I focus on quite a lot as well. Um, I started doing this exercise two years ago, whereby before the players got released in FPL, I would do my entire own pricing, and oh. I would price all the other all the players, all the reasonable players outside of the promoted teams. And I would I would do them how how I would and how I think FPL would do it, and then when the new um, when the lists actually come out, I will compare it and 
do a little cross check and see which players that I actually think are under undervalued. And um, for me, like Rafinha this season, mm. I think he's about one million underpriced right out the gate. Um, yeah, I mean, Jota all, obviously is. Yeah, Jota. Jota's a ten million. Yeah, midfielder. Jota. I mean, at the time, I thought he's probably more like eight, eight, mm. nine. But uh, it's pending start. So he's one of those players that if he starts, he's a 10. If he doesn't start, he's a five and a half, not even. So, um, do, yeah. so doing that exercise there, does that does that mean that you look more at the player rather than the price, as in the FPL price? So that it's it's what that value of that player is to you. If you see Jota is actually, he, no, he's not a, not a mid-price midfielder. He's a premium. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it just it's just a handy thing, so I can identify value. Where I see some players on on the value, or you know, they might represent things. There are times that I get horribly wrong. There was one year I was just like, oh, I I think Calvert Lewin. I'm not entirely sure he's nailed. I think I had him in at six and a half as my predicted price. Came in at seven, so I was like, okay, I'll stay away from him. But obviously, yeah. that was the year that Calvert Lewin did really really well and yeah. started off amazing. Scored a hat trick and gave me two. And I had to change my mind and get back on board. But, um, you know, sometimes you get right, sometimes you get wrong. But generally I found that, you know, if you have experience playing the game and you, you've been watching a lot of football, I think watching a lot of football is actually very important. Um, I wouldn't substitute it for just looking at stats. I think uh, some players are very much, you know, one or the other, but I don't think it's one or the other. I think it can be a mixture. Excellent. Um, um, be be before we go, is there anything that you that we haven't mentioned um, that, you, that you'd like to tell the the listeners and viewers um, about um, either your your relationship with FPL or um, or just um, strategies for for success? Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I can talk all day about FPL. I'm really passionate about it. Um, and honestly, like I I kind of prefer to like stay away from the public spotlight i keep on most of my fpl discussion on an ff scout i post regularly i'm mm. sure a lot of listeners will be familiar um but outside of that like um you know i there are a couple of rules that i do stick by and that i tend to share and uh, one of them is never make a transfer uh if it doesn't affect your starting 11 um yeah because if you can roll a free transfer, I think rolling a free transfer is always a good choice. Mm. If you're gonna, if you have only one free transfer left, don't use it on a move to like make money unless you have two and you're gonna burn one. Mm. Um, I see that done quite often, and that's just a complete waste or a hit for no reason. And you never know; your like your entire plan will change the next week. Sometimes, you know, uh, rolling the transfer if you can is good. Um, mm. and the second thing is just to be vigilant about team value where you can um and that, that not to say that you should make transfers on like saturday saturday like evening but um to be mindful like if you can move on a thursday and yet yeah, it's 0.2 mil price swing especially early in the season like i i'm all for it i mm. think i think the risk uh the reward outweighs the risk um and if you do that enough over the season, like you get yourself more ammunition, you get yourself more options to buy players like Mares, where other players are buying, uh, you know, 
players that are like one or two million cheaper. Um, yeah, so. Okay, no, good, good, good advice. Good advice. Um, so, Cam, uh, thanks so much um, for joining me, and thanks so much for sharing um, your 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 unique, really, um, uh, relationship with FPL over the years of, of the real highs and then the lows and then the highs again, and enjoying it again. And you're definitely taking to to it. Well, definitely far better than me, <laughs> but far better than than many other uh, managers that have that have been doing this for a number of years. Um, because you're you're well in the top 50k and I'm looking at your team um, and um, it's very well set up um, and especially preserving that extra free hit has really helped uh, for gaming 27 there could be some huge gains there um, especially um, if um, you know some of those some of those cheaper Burnley players um, Spurs and Man City do do well um, as as they uh, may be predicted to. Um, but uh, in the meantime, Cam, thanks so much for joining me and um, good luck with your game week. Good, good luck with the rest of the season. Thanks, Joe. Um, before I go, oh, can yeah. I just say one last thing, which I think I only oh, touched on briefly, and that is um, how to deal with FPL like like struggles, like mental okay. struggles, whatever. Um, yeah, for, for me, um, being able to enjoy the game now, um, you know, few years on from where it was it, um, for me the way i do it at least is that once you've made your decisions like you can sit back and enjoy the football mm. and try your best not to um you know obsess over each individual thing going for or against your player and just know that you know you made your decision and all you can do now is plan ahead for the next one um that's done it's done and basically just like developing like a uh, a more casual like um outlook mm-hmm. on fpl decisions and how each thing goes i think that helps a lot like if you don't take it too seriously then you know it won't hurt you that much and even if you do feel bad like you know take some time and look at your team for the next week instead i mean that's kind of what i do i i'll just put it out of mind like again that same thing is you know if you're going to buy a player like you know, ask yourself the question is if the guy didn't score the week before, would you still buy him? Mm. And, you know, with that sort of mindset where you're thinking ahead and planning ahead, as opposed to always focusing on things you can't change players that are dropped that you didn't foresee coming, then you, you will be a lot better off. Mm. No, very, very sound advice there. Um, definitely. Um, in, in, in this, this particularly trickiest of seasons where um, the unexpected um, tends to happen. Um, almost on a weekly basis, but um, uh, it's out of our control. Um, but no, thank, thanks so much for that um, extra bit of advice there, and Cam, and um, thanks for joining me, and good luck with the game week in the season. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for having me on.